Nurse Kylie here. Today, we are going to focus on common renal disorders and their treatments. Just like last week, this is going to be a high-level overview of these topics as to gauge your level of understanding and help you identify areas that you should dive into a little deeper for clarification. If you would like to do a deeper dive in today's topic, I suggest using Chapter 54 of Bruner and Stuttart's Textbook of Medical Surgical Nursing, 14th edition, to review the material. To begin, let's think about the function of the kidneys. What role do they play in the human body? I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. To sum it up, the kidneys are filters that help regulate the body and are essential for maintaining life. Both fluid and electrolytes are balanced by the kidneys and shifts in these can indicate a problem. As a nurse, it is important to monitor patients for shifts in fluid by strict INOs and electrolytes via blood levels, as changes can indicate and or cause serious problems. Common nursing diagnoses seen with kidney disorders include fluid volume deficit, excess fluid volume, and risk for electrolyte imbalance. Let's take a moment to think about how a patient with fluid volume deficit would present. What would you expect to see or assess with a patient with this nursing diagnosis? I'll give you a minute to think about it. Hopefully, you thought about weight loss. As the body loses fluid, the patient will weigh less. Hopefully, you thought about visual assessments including decreased skin turgor, dry mucous membranes, and decreased urine production as evidenced by a decrease in output. What about lab values? You would expect to see an increase in hematocrit and BUN level compared to creatinine. Now, how about excess fluid volume? We just went over how a patient with fluid volume deficit would present, so this should be easy. I'll give you a minute to think about how a patient with excess fluid volume would present. Patients with fluid overload will notice weight gain as they begin to retain fluid. They will have edema present, most likely in their lower extremities, and complain of shortness of breath as fluid builds in their lungs. Upon examination, crackles will be heard, distended neck veins will be seen, and labs will show a decrease in hematocrit due to the expanded blood volume. Now what about the risk for electrolyte imbalance? As the RN, whenever there is a problem with fluid, electrolytes should be monitored. Fluid volume deficit caused by dehydration can lead to low electrolyte levels because as fluid is lost, so are electrolytes. Low electrolytes can also be seen with fluid volume excess as the serum electrolyte levels become diluted when the body has too much fluid. So, it all depends on what exactly is occurring. Let us begin our discussion on types of kidney disorders and see if that helps us understand this a little better. There are quite a few kidney disorders, so I have chosen to discuss just the most common. Chronic kidney disease, or CKD, is a general term used to describe kidney damage and the kidney not functioning properly for over three months. If left untreated, it can evolve into end-stage kidney disease, or ESKD, which requires extensive treatment. Diabetes, which is our topic for next week, is the main cause of CKD, with causation from hypertension following in a close second. According to the CDC, one in five Americans over the age of 20 with hypertension have CKD. There are five stages of CKD, 
and are based on the glomerular filtration rate, or GFR. Patients with CKD often present with increased creatinine levels, anemia, edema, and electrolyte imbalances. Polycystic kidney disease, or PKD, is a genetic disorder that causes cysts to form in the kidneys, which ultimately destroy the nephrons. The cysts can cause the kidneys to become enlarged, causing pressure on the various structures within the kidneys, resulting in decreased functioning and ultimately failure. Common indicators include blood in the urine, urine overproduction, increase in blood pressure, UTIs, and increased protein in the urine. This disease requires a multifaceted medication treatment regimen and has no cure. Acute kidney injury, or AKI, suddenly occurs when there is damage to the kidneys, resulting in loss of kidney function. Depending on the severity, AKI can be life-threatening. Patients may need help with kidney function and be placed on short-term dialysis to help the body filter waste as well as provide time for the kidney to heal. The acronym RIFLE is used to determine the classification of AKI. Risk, injury, failure, loss, and end-stage kidney disease are the five classifications. AKI can result from failure that occurs before the kidney, like fluid volume depletion from the GI tract, inside the kidney, like kidney infection, and beyond the kidney, like from urinary tract obstruction. End-stage kidney disease occurs after prolonged chronic kidney disease and the patient requires permanent replacement therapy. This is when long-term treatments are required. Let's begin our discussion on types of dialysis, starting with the three main types of dialysis used to manage chronic kidney disease and end-stage kidney disease. Acute dialysis is required when the body is unable to remove extra fluid, potassium, toxic levels of medications, or other toxins from the body, whereas long-term therapy is required as kidney function continues to decline and toxins build up. Hemodialysis can be used for acute or permanent therapy and can be performed both in a medical center or at home. Most often, patients are dialyzed three times per week. The main goal of hemodialysis is to remove nitrogen-containing substances from the blood, aka toxins, and remove extra fluid. Vascular access is required, and most commonly, an arteriovenous fistula is placed for permanent access. Important nursing considerations include monitoring, supporting, assessing, and patient education. The assessment aspect is especially important as the fistula needs special care and should be assessed at least every shift, and the patient should be closely monitored during this type of dialysis. Peritoneal dialysis is used to remove toxins and metabolic waste while normalizing fluid and electrolyte levels. In comparison to hemodialysis, PD is much slower and has fewer problems during the process. Nursing considerations are preparing the patient and assembling equipment using aseptic technique. PD is done in cycles of filling the peritoneal cavity with the dialysate, leaving the fluid to sit in the cavity to allow for diffusion and osmosis to occur and then draining the dialysate. Peritonitis, leakage, bleeding, and hypertriglyceridemia are common complications from this form of dialysis. <music> Lastly, CRRT, or Continuous Renal Replacement Therapies, 
are used for patients who are too sick for traditional methods. Some forms do not require dialysis machines, so treatment can begin sooner. Continuous venovenous hemofiltration, or CVVH, is often used to treat AKI. Continuous venovenous hemodialysis, or CVVHD, is similar to CVVH, but in addition to the ultrafiltration, it also uses a dialysate solution. Wow, okay, that was a lot of information. To summarize this episode, renal disorders can cause fluid deficiency and excess to occur. Depending on the causation, electrolytes can become imbalanced. There are several kidney disorders that require medical management, including medications, treatments, and sometimes surgery. The nurse plays a vital role in helping to manage these conditions and monitor during treatment. Now, if you're wondering about more in-depth nursing considerations, I highly suggest you review this information in your medical surgical textbook. The text I use is Bruner and Stoddart's Textbook of Medical Surgical Nursing, 14th edition, at least until the 15th edition is released, as I find it to be the easiest to read and it's well-organized. I'm not paid to say that, it is just my educated opinion. That does it for today. Until next time, keep on accelerating.